Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we thank you for bringing us to the end of this year. Thank you for the things which you have done that we cannot even begin to unravel or understand. Thank you for the things that you are doing even right now in our lives that we don't even still understand. Thank you for that which you have prepared ahead of time to help us. Father, we thank you in different ways and in diverse ways in which your help has come across to us. Lord, we thank you, Almighty God, and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we begin to prepare for the end of this year and looking forward to the beginning of a new year, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for what you are going to do in our lives and how you are going to showcase your power in our lives in ways that we have not even understood yet. We thank you, Almighty God, that this morning, the entrance of your word will give life and light and understanding to the simple. Our hearts will be open to receive. Our ears will be open to understand. We thank you for it. Let your name be glorified and your people be edified. In Jesus' name, we pray. People of God, today I'm so excited to teach you the last part of the abundance mindset development that we've been going through over the past couple of weeks. Um, by next week, I will start showing you, you practical steps that you can begin to use to cultivate abundance into your life. So you don't want to miss the next two services as well so that you can bring the whole series uh, you know, into conclusion in your own mind. Now, last week, I stopped when I started talking about the story of the healing of the man who was deaf and mute. And I said I was going to unpack that story so that you can see how the Lord Jesus taught us abundance by the way he handled the matter. Now, remember that the last week I spoke about the feeding of 5,000 men or 15,000 people through the abundance mindset that Jesus Christ displayed when he recovered sight. And I spoke about the fact that the word recovered sight or the word looking up to heaven or the words looking up to heaven actually is from the Greek word anablepo, which means to recover sight, to change perspective. And it's very important to know, therefore, that as somebody who is moving from scarcity-mindedness to abundance mindset, the, the lever or the, the bridge between these two types of mindset is the recovery of sight, is the perspective that you use to look at life. So today, I want to deep dive into the story of the man that was healed by Jesus, the man that was uh, deaf and mute, and how Jesus taught us abundance mindset through the healing power and how he healed this man. In the book of Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37, the Bible says, Soon after this, Jesus left the region of Tyre and passed through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee to the region of Decapolis. They brought to him a man who was deaf and had difficulty speaking. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Jesus Christ, taking him aside by himself, away from the crowd, put his fingers into, his man, into the man's ears, and after spitting, he touched the man's tongue with the saliva. And now, looking up to heaven, Anablepo, recovering sight, he sighed deeply and said to the man, Eph Fata, which in Aramaic means, 
be opened and released. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he began speaking plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he ordered them, the more widely they continued to proclaim it. What were they proclaiming? Listen to what they said. They were thoroughly astounded and completely overwhelmed, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Hallelujah. He has done everything well. He has done everything well. God has done everything well in my life. May that be your testimony. That you will say at the end of this year, the Lord has done everything well for me in the name of Jesus. As you begin to think of moving into the new year, I pray for you that your testimony and my testimony will be to say the Lord has done everything well in my life. Hallelujah. So if there are issues that are outstanding, if there are problems that haven't shifted yet, I prophesy over your life as you go through this particular message that God will open your eyes to see that his power is able to break through for you and that you will be able to proclaim with all of the other saints this, this saying, the Lord has done great things for me in the name of Jesus. Now, when you circle back to look at the story of this man, this man was deaf. That means um, he, he cannot hear. The man was mute, he cannot speak. Now, you know, in the body of Christ, we've spoken about certain principles of how faith works. The Bible makes us to say, understand that faith worked by love. The Bible also says that we, what, what we believe will release by speaking. Faith is released by speaking. Because the Bible makes us to understand that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So, and how did God create, create the heavens and the earth? The Bible, say, the Bible says, it makes us to understand that God spoke the world into existence. So, faith that you have must be released by speaking. The problem is, this man could not speak. The Bible also makes us understand that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you see now, faith must come by what you hear. Faith that, 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 faith that has come through what you have heard must also be released by speaking. But the problem here is this man could neither hear nor speak. So he found himself in a hopeless situation. When he looked to the left, there was no help. Look to the right, there was no help. Look in the book, there's no way he could get help unless the supernatural power of God comes through for him. So this morning, I want to expand how God can break through for you despite and in spite yourself. I pray that this message will invoke in your heart a desire to believe God for the impossible in the name of Jesus. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15 and verse 17. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. The Bible says in verse 13, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, that is invoking him as Lord, will be saved. Everyone Without exception, who calls upon the name of the Lord 
will be saved. Now, notice, the Bible did not say, everyone who called upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, who calls upon, which means it is a present continuous tense. Did you call him yesterday? Yes. Should you call him today? Yes. Are you going to call him Lord tomorrow? Yes. Now, notice this. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs to that name and are saved. Notice that. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But the Bible also says this name of the Lord is a strong tower, is a bulwark, is a hiding place, is a, is a shield. For thou, O Lord, art a shield to me, the glory and the lifter of my head. For thou, O Lord, art a shield to me. You are my glory and the lifter of my hand. The Lord is our shield. The Lord is our banner. The Lord is our king. The Lord is our security. The Lord is our hiding place. But the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. But what must the righteous do? The righteous runs to that name. And I said, so a person who wants the name of the Lord, to work for him must run to that name. That's why it says here, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, invoking him as Lord, will be saved. Not maybe saved, not maybe perhaps will be saved. No, the Bible says you will be saved. Now, the word saved there is the word sozo or soteria, which, as I said last week, is a present continuous verb that talks about the fact that you were saved before, you are being saved today, you continue to be saved tomorrow. This is not a one-time invocation. This is not a one-time impact. This is not a one-time affair where you say, oh, I called the name of the Lord before. It worked two years ago. It didn't work now. No. This name of the Lord is present. The Bible says the Lord is the present help in time of need. The Lord God is our present help in time of need. God is closer to you than your brother. God is closer to you than your parent. God is closer to you than the breath out of your mouth. And he says here, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So principle number one is, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will experience what? Sozo. You will experience salvation. Now, what does that mean for our man here who was mute and deaf? He could not call the name of the Lord. Why? Because the mouth has been shut. He could not call the name of the Lord. So what is he to do? How will he get help? How will he be able to invoke the name of the Lord, which is a strong tower, in order for him to get salvation? How will he cooperate with the Almighty God to take advantage of the provision that has been, that have been made available by the blood of Jesus? Stay with me as I begin to unpack what the Lord showed me here and how it came through for this man and how you can begin to think abundance yourself even when things look so hopeless for you. Verse 14 says, How are people to call on him whom they have not believed, in whom they have no faith? on whom they have no reliance. And how are they to believe in him or adhere to him or trust in him or rely upon him of whom they have never heard? 
And how are they to hear without a preacher? The Bible here essentially saying something that I find quite profound. A friend of mine came around um, two days ago and we're talking about this. I was talking about the fact that you must hear the message. You must hear. How can somebody know what to do unless they hear? But, pro- but brothers and sisters, this man that was deaf and mute cannot hear. He could not hear about Jesus. He may see the miracle, but he could not hear. How are people to call upon him whom they have not believed? Second principle here it says, you call upon the name of the Lord by faith. Remember, if you call upon the name of the Lord, principle one, you will experience salvation. Verse 14 here is, how are you to call upon the one that you have not believed? Which means you cannot call upon someone that you don't believe in. Suppose you found yourself in the wilderness or in a forest area. You woke up one day, you find yourself in a forest area. And then you found also in your hand or in the luggage given to you that you found beside you when you woke up. There you find a map. And the map shows you a point that says you are here. And the map shows you direction on how you are going to get out. But there's an instruction there that says, should you run into any problem, maybe you missed your way. You need to dial 3451 and then help is going to show up in any part of that forest. You get immediate help, 3451. What will you do if you find yourself in such a situation? If you run, run, you, if you run, you run into a pickle as you are navigating the forest, will it, it, does it not stand to reason that you will put three, four, five, one in there? Right? You put three, four, five, one. That's that's I believe is what I'm going to do if I run into a pickle to get out of the forest and I find myself that I could not really uh, get out because there's a problem. I will call that number three, four, five, one. It's like the helpline for the so that the help can show up for me. That's what I would do so that I can get a help. That is what it means by calling upon the name of the Lord. If you know that you have a problem and the Bible says call upon the name of the Lord and you experience salvation, you experience immediate release from the problem that you found yourself. Then it behoves you a responsibility to call upon that name of the Lord, to press 3451. But the challenge, verse 14, is presented to us is, how can you call upon him that you have not believed? Verse number 14 introduces another principle that says, calling upon the name of the Lord must be done by faith. Which means you cannot call upon somebody that you don't believe in. It is a struggle to call upon the name of someone that you don't believe in. So if I go back to the example I gave, you are meant to press 3451. But if you don't believe that 3451 can get you out and you refuse to call it, then salvation cannot come. I'll be following the, the conversation. So God says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you. The Bible says, for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you must call on him by faith. Verse 14 says, you cannot call on the person that you don't believe in. 
If you don't believe in him, you cannot call upon him. If you don't trust God, you cannot call upon him. Even if you call upon him, you, are, you don't have an assurance that answers will come because you don't have trust in him. Then another thing that it then says here is, how can you believe in this God? How can you have this trust in him that would then make you, make, make you to call him if you have never heard about him? If you have never heard about God as Jehovah Jireh, how can you believe him to provide for you? If you have not ever heard about God as Jehovah Rapha, how can you believe him to heal you? If you have never believed God as the one who is Alpha and Omega, how can you believe him to lead you? If you have never believed God as the one who is my shepherd, how can you believe for him to take care of your needs? So it is important, therefore, that you hear about God before you can believe in him. And it, you cannot believe in him unless you hear about him. And when you believe in him, you have to call upon him. So the formula really is this. Hear about who God is. As it pertains to the situation that you believe God for. You are trying to move from scarcity mindset to abundance mindset. Hear about who God is. What God has declared about abundance into your life. Let that be what you hear over and over and over. And then that will be a belief in your heart. When you have a belief in your heart, then you can call upon him when you have that need. So principle number three that I have here says, you cannot have faith beyond what you have heard. You cannot have faith beyond what you have heard. What you hear matters. What you open up your heart to listen to matters. Why? Because words paint pictures. Words paint pictures. What you hear over and over and over will paint pictures in your heart. And when the pictures has become so profound, profound in your heart, what will happen? It becomes a stronghold. It becomes a prison that, that will either hold you or that will ever set you free. What you hear is important. If, for example, you are believing God for healing and all you hear day in, day out are people who are dying of that same sickness that you have, then that becomes a belief system that, that creates a cage around your heart that would not allow you to get free to lay hold of the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. If you believe that God makes people poor so that they can be holy, if that's what you hear day in, day out, day in, day out, guess what is going to happen? That becomes a belief system. That will shape your heart. That will shape your viewpoint. That will shape your paradigm. Then it is not possible for you to call on God to, to believe him for, for, for abundance and prosperity because you have believed wrong. Because you, therefore you cannot call upon him, you can't experience that salvation. So God essentially is saying to you here, you cannot have faith beyond, beyond what you have had. What you hear matters. Verse 15. How can men be expected to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings. How welcome is the coming of those who preach the good news of his, of, of his good things. So God essentially is saying here, not only is it that what you listen to is important, who you listen to is important. Are you listening to people that are telling you your future can be better than th than your today. Or are you listening to people that make people that make you feel so bad 
for even aspiring to be better. If my wife's friend came around here two days ago and she was talking about somebody who got so upset leaving church, right? Because the pastor was preaching about the fact that you have to upscale, upskill yourself and desire more for your life. I want to get more for your life and to, for, you, for you to progress. And this person got so upset and left the church. I couldn't even believe that. I was like thinking, what, what, what do you want to be hearing? You want to be hearing the fact that, you know, God makes you poor or God keeps you poor so that you can be holy or God, um, God brings sickness upon you to teach you a lesson. Is that what you want to be hearing? Because that is no good news. The Bible essentially says in verse 15, how can somebody preach unless they are sent? Who are the kind of people that are sent? They are sent. They would have sent as part of this verse 15, the people that bring glad tidings. You've got to ask yourself the question. Is it good news that you are listening to? Are you listening to the good news of the kingdom? Are you listening to the message that tells you about how good God is? Or about how God has brought good things for you into your life? About how God has gone ahead to sort things out for you? You must ensure that what you listen to builds hope and faith in you to want to be more, to want to do more, to want to have more. So, principle number four is, who you listen to matters. Because the message you hear, we either build faith in you or it will build fear in you. Now, unfortunately, you cannot grow beyond your belief system. So therefore, what you listen to is important and who you listen to is important. What you listen to and who you listen to are both important things that you must pay attention to. So then verse 17 then says, faith comes by hearing what is told and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ the Messiah. In another translation, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Remember in principle four says, who you listen to matters because the message you listen to will be faith or fear in you. Principle number five says, faith comes only by continuous hearing. So if you are believing God um, for healing, listen to messages that speak about the healing power of God. That speaks about, messages that speak about what God has done, what God has delivered for us, what God has made available for us in Christ. Make sure that that becomes the predominant thing you listen to. Place in the morning, place in the afternoon, place in the evening. Saturate your mind with messages that speak of the goodness of God, that speak of the healing power of God, that speak of the finished work of Christ at Calvary's Hill. The fact that Christ has already healed us, that by his stripes we have been healed. Listen to that over and over and over. Faith will come the more you listen to that type of message. But if you get it confused, you listen to this message today that talks about the fact that healing has already been provided by God in Christ Jesus. You listen to that for one day, and then the next day, you go around and go listen to a message that talks about the fact that God places sickness upon you to teach you a lesson. Then now your mind is confused. Because your mind is confused, then healing cannot manifest because there's confusion in your mind. You know what the Bible says? A house divided against itself cannot stand. Right? Which means if you listen to one message that beats you up like this, and you go about and listen to another message that pulls you down like this, then your whole house is not united. Right? And then what happened? The Bible says the house cannot stand. So I encourage you, whether it is healing, uh, advancement, promotion, prosperity, as um, um, uh, hope, hopefulness, faith, whatever it is that you believe in God for, stick to the message. Because faith comes not just by hearing it once, hear it over and over and over again. It has been suggested by psychologists, right, that 
change habits are formed over a six week period, 40 days or 50 days thereabout. Which means if you start to do something and you do it consistently after after 40 days or 50 days, it becomes a habit. So, um, there was a woman, there's a woman that Caroline Lee that, 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 that has this um, program about renewing the mind. What she does is she runs, she asks me to run the program three times a year, three times in a year. So, you do, uh, I think. Uh, 90 days, uh, 90 days, 90 days, 90 days, I think. That's what she did. You know, you do first 90 days, you you you, you go back again and do another 90 days, you go back again and do another 90 days. Especially that over that one year period, you have, you'll have been exposed to the same message over that period of time. That way, you are rewiring your mind. So, if you are believing God for something and you haven't seen it yet, perhaps it's because you haven't listened enough to the kind, that kind of message consistently that will build up the faith in your heart to allow you to be able to believe. There are so many things that contend with our time in our, in our modern world. You know, there's so many things that contend with our time. We watch all sorts of movies or we listen to all sorts of news that plant different kind of images in our heart and then it makes it difficult to believe God. So, therefore, it's important to be consistent. For whatever you believe God for, make a decision. Make a decision that you will only hear a message that talks about that, that beats your faith up in that space, and that speaks the good news of Jesus, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So faith comes only by continuous hearing. Now, Second Corinthians chapter four verse thirteen says, "We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken." Right? We also believe, and therefore we speak. This principle essentially says, the spirit of faith. The background to faith, what prepares faith to come, is based on what you believe you must speak. I have the same spirit of faith. The same spirit of the spirit of faith works this way. What you believe you speak. So principle number six is faith in your heart must be released by speaking. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But that when that faith gets in your heart, it must be spoken out. If anybody wants to know what you believe, they will listen to what you say. What you say tells us what you really believe. You might be making all the Christianese language stuff, but when the push comes to shove and the words coming out of your mouth is speaking, contrary to what God has done, then we know that is what's in your heart. And there's no condemnation here. What you, what you got to do is do what? Go back to principle number five. Keep hearing it over and over and over and over because words paint pictures and what's what cha- what's change the pictures we hold in our minds praise god so now that i've spoken about these six principles over the next 20 minutes i don't want to run through this man that was deaf and mute how god broke through for him it's a most wonderful picture of what god showed me the bible says this man that was mute and deaf had the lord going against him he could not hear about the good news about jesus christ healing people he could not vocalize the good news about Jesus. He could not speak out to release his faith. He could not operate principle number six. Also, he could not embrace principle number five because he could not hear the good news. Therefore, he could not speak the good news. So, consider this man, the situation that he found himself is deaf and mute. Now, go with me to Mark chapter five and let's look at the story of the woman with the issue of blood and they will do a parallel. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verses 25 to 29, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. 
when she had heard, look at that, when she had heard of Jesus. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When she had heard about Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. So what she heard about Jesus Christ built up faith in in her to, so much so that she took action. Right? Now, look at what verse 28 says. For she said, if I may touch boys' clothes, I shall be whole. In another translation, it says, she kept saying to herself, which means she released her faith by the words that she spoke. And the Bible says in verse 29, and certainly with the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So this woman leveraged on principle number principles number five and six, because once she's heard about Jesus, what she heard about Jesus Christ made faith to develop in her. And then she vocalized her faith by speaking. And then that moved her what to do what? To take action to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ. And she was made whole. In fact, when Jesus Christ spoke to her, Jesus Christ said, your faith has made you whole. I want you to understand that principle. What you hear be faith in you, what you vocalize, creates that atmosphere of faith around you. But you take action, right? To go and lay hold of what Christ has done for you. Remember, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to that name and I say, you run to the name to receive your salvation. You run to that name. It's already, it's always available for you. It's not going anywhere, but you need to participate in that, right? To receive what God has done for you. You, you understand that, right? Okay. So this woman operated this principle of faith where she believed by hearing the right kind of message. She vocalized to create the atmosphere of faith around her. She acted all right, to lay hold of what is already true for her. All right, now, and in her story, Jesus Christ did not even physically touch her, it was her faith that which she believed that pulled the power of God to cause healing to happen for her. But now, look at this man that we're talking about today. He is deaf, he is mute, he cannot, he could not have heard about the goodness of Jesus. He could not speak about the goodness of Jesus Christ to be this faith in his life. He could not do that. So how did God help this man to get his healing? That is what I want to talk to you about today. The, the man had about six or seven things that happened that God orchestrated to be able to help him, to be able to come through for him. So if you find yourself in a situation where things are not working, you are you are in scarcity mode right now. This message that I'm now about to talk through in the next 15 minutes will be something that I want you to hold on to because it will be a game changer for you in the name of Jesus Christ. How do you move from scarcity mindset to abundance mindset? What can we learn from the healing of the deaf and the mute by Jesus that we can leverage on today? Number one, this man, had other people to bring him to Jesus. This man had other people that brought him to Jesus. You might be in Lodabar. You might be in a place of barrenness, a place of scarcity. But God will have placed people in your life that can bring you to Jesus, that can bring you a message. There are people who are going through depression, they're going through this stuff, and then they, you know, they get introduced to different people that brought them out. God will place people in your life to bring you to Jesus. That reminds me of a story of a, of a guy that a friend of mine introduced to me who was going through some challenges with, back in Africa. 
and they will begin to work together, you know, have conversation and all that. But today, God has turned his life around so much that he, he, he was sending me testimony just last week about, you know, the, the impact that, by the grace of God, the ministry has, has had on his life. You know, but it was God who brought somebody into his life who brought him to Jesus, who brought him to the message of the good news. For any issue that you may have today, there's somebody in your circle that knows someone that can help you or that can get you the right information. So therefore, you must leverage the power of your association. You must leverage the power of your association. The question is, who is in your circle? Are you hanging out with the right people? Are you hanging out with people that are telling you, you can do it, it's going to be okay, it is possible? Or are you hanging out with people that makes you to feel like, man, nothing is going to work in your life? That other people have tried it, who do you think you are? If you are hanging out with the wrong people, get out of that circle. If you are hanging out with the right people, then leverage that association. Appreciate the people that God has placed in your life. A person with an abundance mindset, therefore, cultivates the right type of association. I want you to write that down. If you are trying to develop an abundance mindset, you must cultivate the right type of association. Why? Because your circle determines the level of influence you are going to get. Your circle determines the level of influence you are going to get. So celebrate the people that God has placed in your life, the right people. If you are hanging out with the wrong people, get out of there. But you have, you have the right people in your circle, celebrate them. I read a post uh, yesterday, and I will call it to you. It says here, choose your circle wisely because whoever does not push you to grow will pull you back. I want you to write that down. Choose your circle wisely because the person who does not push you to grow will push you back. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? There are people who are married into the wrong marriage and the marriage pushes them down. They marry the wrong, sorry, marry the wrong, marry the wrong partner. The partner pushes them down. Never built up their self-worth. There are people also who marry to the right group. You see, they just have to move up. You must decipher. Am I in the right circle? Another quote that I've got here says, if you look, if you look at the people in your life and you don't feel inspired, then you don't have a circle. You have a cage. If you look at the people in your life and you don't feel inspired, then you have a, you don't have a circle. You have a cage. If the people that surround you never inspire you to be better than where you are, then you have a cage. Get out of that cage. That has become a prison, not a circle. It has not. It has become a prison that is holding you back from moving forward. Be determined to surround yourself with people that want to make you a better person. Praise God forevermore. Point number two: the people that brought him to Jesus. Now begged Jesus to help him. They begged Jesus Christ to help him. You know, if you go back to the story, it says here, they brought him to a man who was deaf and had difficulty speaking and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. They begged Jesus Christ for help. They begged Jesus Christ to say, please, master, help this one. Here, the people became the spokesperson that detailed the problem that this man had to the master because he could not speak, right? Is incapacitated. He could see, but he could not speak. He could not hear. So therefore, he could not vocalize his problem. Imagine somebody going to the doctors. Somebody had some pain in the tummy. They're going to the doctor, but they cannot express themselves. The doctor says, what's wrong with you? They cannot express themselves because they have so much pain, but they don't know how to express themselves. 
Have you ever been in a situation whereby you find yourself that you're so tongue-tied you can't express yourself? You know what to do, but you don't know how to articulate yourself. It's a very frustrating experience. This man was so frustrated, he could not express himself. He had issues that, that whether he was born with it or, he, or that happened to him along the way, whatever it is, he was so frustrated. But the Bible says they begged Jesus to help him. May God bring you people that will be destiny helpers, that will help you to articulate things that you cannot articulate by yourself. May God bring help to you in areas where you are weak, that they will lift you up. Just like Aaron and all lifted up the hands of Moses. May God bring help to you in areas where you don't have what it takes so that they, they, can, they can lift you up, they can help you, they can cover the kind of weakness that you may have in the matter of Jesus Christ. They were keen to seek audience with the right people for the man. You know, there's a story in the book of Luke chapter 5, verses 17 to 39. We don't need to go in there. The Bible talks about a man who was lame, who was put on a mat. But they wanted to come to Jesus, but the whole place was so crowded they couldn't get to Jesus. You know what they did? They went onto the roof, opened up the roof, and dropped the guy down. May you be surrounded by people. They don't have to be your family member, but by people who will sacrifice for you to ensure that you get to the promised land. May you also not push away people that God has placed in your life to help you. There are people that God has placed in your life that you may think, oh, I don't care about this one. You become cantacaros. May you not be someone who pushes people away that God has placed in your life. Remember what I said before. In your circle where you are, God has placed one person that can give you information to someone else in, in their own circle that can help you. God has never left somebody to become an island that so much so they cannot have help at all. I don't believe it. I believe that everybody on the face of the earth is surrounded by at least one person that can bring them out on the other side. So I pray for you that as you go into 2024, your eyes will be open to see those people, to appreciate those people, to work with those people, to leverage that relationship so that you can move from where you are to where God wants you to be. Praise God forevermore. So, there's a note I put here. May God surround you with the right people and destiny help us in Jesus' name. When you don't know what to do and how to do what you need to do, may God raise help for you from uncommon quarters in the name of Jesus Christ. So, a person with an abundance mindset not only cultivates the right association, a person with an abundance mindset is not too proud to seek for help. Why? Because they know that they are not the fount of wisdom. Jesus Christ is. Therefore, they seek mentors, they get coaches, and they pay for the services that they need. Praise God. Point number three. Now, what did Jesus Christ do? The Bible says, Jesus Christ, taking him aside by himself, took him away from the crowd. This is so beautiful. Why did Jesus take him away from the crowd? Think about that. Why did Jesus Christ take him away from the crowd? Because the crowd represented onlookers. Remember the story of the woman with the issues of blood? There were people that were crowding Jesus that never got healed. They were crowding Jesus, crowding Jesus Christ. They were not, they never got healed. But this woman who had operated the power of faith by believing and by speaking received her healing. And she came from the behind. She, she went through the throng of people and she touched the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ and she got healing. But there were people that were actually physically touching Jesus Christ, moving all over the place, and they didn't get the healing. Did I not tell you something? That it's not about touching Jesus Christ or going to church or doing all the religious activity. It's about the picture you have heard in your heart and the words you keep speaking over your own life that enable you to create this atmosphere of faith that will change your life. You might even be on a prayer line 
And you're praying, praying, praying for five hours, but you're praying wrong. You're not praying from the solution. You're praying from the problem. I'm going to talk about that later in one of these, one of the uh, items we're going to cover. So I want you to understand, therefore, that just God took him away from the crowd because the crowd are people who want to be entertained. The crowd represented people who are onlookers, like those who are crowding Jesus Christ when the woman with the issue of blood received her healing. They are onlookers. They want to be entertained. They are like people who are in the circus. You know, you see circus, circus who are playing, everybody's going around looking and looking. They totally lost themselves. God does not want you to be like that. Imagine a football game. We have 24 people kicking a ball. And then you have millions and millions of people all over the world watching. They are watching people play their game, living their lives. I know football people might, might not like me for this. But here they were fighting one another. You might even have friends fighting one another. It was like during the time of political parties, stuff in Nigeria. So we got friends you know, fighting one another. Over who is going to become to power, who is not going to come to power. But don't you understand that the person who is vying for the position is living his life, is following his own path. But how? Now you, you become um, a, 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 a watcher. You become a watcher or somebody who's just watching what's happening and then you're fighting one another. That's crazy, isn't it? So God does not want you to be part of the crowd. doesn't want you to be part of the crowd. Don't be an onlooker in your own life. Be engaged with your life. Be the star player in your life. Determine how you are going to live your life and begin to play it. Jesus Christ wants you away from the crowd. The crowd is for the masses. You have been called into royalty. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says... You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That's who you are. Why? That you may declare. The reason why God made you special, what God called you apart, God chose you, is so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You have been called out of the crowd. Don't mingle in it. So a person who is an who has abundance mindset is somebody who don't, fraternize with the crowd you don't fraternize with the crowd you don't do what everybody else is doing everybody's going in this direction they are falling off the cliff and jumping into the ocean you're not doing that you set yourself apart i my, my mentor taught, taught me something recently he was talking about the pareto rule 80 20 rule he was saying that studies have been done that the top 20 the only 20 percent of people in any industry and the totality of 80 percent of what that industry makes so if you have an industry let's say car maker right the the 20 percent of the people that are in the industry are the ones any 80 percent of the total money that the whole of that industry is making so what do you want to do you don't want to be part of the 80 percent that are no no that that's struggling for the crumbs no you don't want to be that you want to be part of the top 20 percent right making something that the whole industry is making and how do you do that abundance mindset Abundance mindset. You must shift your attention away from this. Let's be part of the crowd and set yourself apart. It might be at times, it might be lonely, but that is what you've got to do. Praise God. Number four, Jesus Christ touched him. Jesus Christ touched him. Jesus touched him. Why did Jesus Christ touch this man before he even declared a be healed, be open and be released? It's because the man needed a touch is because of the power of the touch. This man was deaf and mute. Imagine the brokenness. Imagine the shame. Imagine the, the hopelessness that this man had. Imagine the trauma going through his mind. Imagine the emotional emotional um, uh, a tsunami 
right that he must have he must be experienced in a way in ways that um, that's made him feel so ostracized from society so this man needed a touch how do you know somebody needs a touch if you have ever met someone who lost a dear person maybe lost a family member or lost a friend what it what they want is not just you saying it's gonna be all right it's gonna be all right. at times what they want is for you to hold your hands and never say a word why because when we have been broken and traumatized at times what we need is not just somebody coming to spill the language and just teach us a sermon what we need at this point in time might be just a touch why is just, why did Jesus Christ touch him just has touched him because he say he's saying to him I care for you I came for you you are human you matter. You have my full attention. I've taken, I've taken you away from the crowd so I can minister to you because you are special. You are one of a kind. This is a message to somebody today that you are one of a kind. You are one of a kind. God has sent me to tell you that develop this abundance mindset that says, if you are the only one living on the face of the earth, Jesus Christ will still have come for you. The Bible says, he left the 99 sheep behind to go and find the one that is lost. You might be here today going through challenges and you don't know how things are going to pan out for you even in the new year. I bring a word for you that the God who left the 99 behind to go follow the one is still here and he's saying to you, I care for you. I am with you. I am for you. You have my full attention. You have the full attention of the God who made the heavens and the earth. Praise God forevermore. The power of the touch is important. The man may have suffered from hopelessness and shame. The fear may, fear may have boggled his mind as he follows Jesus Christ. Maybe he had had a preacher come before and the healing has never happened. Now he's wondering, is this going to happen this time? Imagine how many times he has faced his disappointment. And to think of, is, 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 is this day going to be different? How is this day going to be different from what I faced in the past? This man, remember, he had not heard about Jesus Christ healing, healing people like the woman with the issue of blood. He had never been able to vocalize his faith. So he's afraid. Therefore, the first thing he needed is a touch from the master that says, I care for you. Don't be apprehensive. Don't be apprehensive. It's an act that says, I care for you. Today, if you are here and you need a touch from the master, I'm asking you to open up your heart and allow God. Say with me, dear Lord Jesus, touch me. Touch me afresh. Touch the pain. Touch the fear. Touch the anxiety. I cast all my cares upon you. I cast all my cares upon you. I know you got it covered. I know you're a responsible father. I know you are going to handle it. Thank you, almighty God. Lord, I give you praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Praise God. Point number five. Jesus Christ recovers sight. How? By focusing on the solution instead of the problem. The Bible says, after Christ touches his ears and puts uh, his, his, his saliva in the guy's mouth, he sighed and he looked up to heaven and he said, Ephata, be released, be opened. So what did he do? He recovered sight. He looked up to heaven and saw the spare parts that this guy needed. He didn't maybe possibly need a new hair drum, needed some new um, um, vocal cords, whatever. Just guys took his eyes off the problem and look at heaven recover side brought that reality of heaven now back and then he spoke so i've got a note here says change happens miracle happens 
when Jesus or miracle happened, a change happened, when Jesus Christ recovered sight and Nablepo and shifted his attention away from the problem on the ground, this guy could not speak, he could not hear to the reality of the solution he received from heaven. When he looked at heaven, remember in heaven there's no sickness, in heaven there's no lack. That is the reality he saw. And then he brought that reality back on the situation before he spoke. So abundance-minded people focuses on solutions and not on problems. If you ask yourself the question like, in light of what Christ has done, what does this mean? Let's say you are going to a challenge and ask yourself the question, in light of the fact that Christ has died for me, what does this now mean? What can I do? What has he provided for me? When you begin to ask questions like that, you are focusing on solution, not on the problems. Remember, whatever you focus on will grow in your life. Point number six, speak heaven's realities over any situation that you are faced with. Speak heaven's reality. When Jesus Christ looked up and recovered sight, when he said a fat had been released and opened, he is speaking the solution from heaven's reality over the problem. He's speaking to the problem, but he's speaking from the solution to the problem. So we must speak from solution, not from problem. We must think that God has provided a solution first for us and let that be what permeates our heart. And therefore, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So you must fill your mind with the image of possibilities, not problems. You must fill your mind with the image of outcomes of what you want, not what you are going through. You must fill your mind with these images of the things that you desire, the solution to the problem, not the problem itself. And therefore, so that as the Bible says, out of the abundance of what your mind is filled, with the mouth speaks you can then say a fata be released you must vocalize in your prayers the solution or the problem when you pray pray the solution not the problem there's a message we did many years back i mean i think many a couple of months back maybe six months we're talking about the 10 seven things that the, that confession does, you know, my guys might put it on a link there on on, on 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 you from YouTube. Please go back and watch it. I talk, talk about seven things that confession does, but you must confess from the solution. Don't confess from problem. Don't say as you are going today, um, you not have an accident. You are painting pictures of accident already in that person's mind. You say you get to your destination safely. That's how you do it. So you shift conversation because words matter. Words paint pictures. When you speak words that are negative, it paints images of negativity in your heart. And guess what? When your heart believes in negativity, it becomes what a stronghold that holds you in a cage that you don't want to be in. Praise God. So create a solution, not a problem. Abundance-minded people speaks the solution and not on problem, not the problem. Hallelujah. So these are the six things I want to cover here today. When Christ begins to say, a father be released, and the Bible says immediately the man receives his healing. So as an abundant, as somebody who's seeking to develop an abundance mindset, you can take these six things that we learn from Jesus Christ and apply them to your life. I declare over you in the name of Jesus Christ that you begin to see wonderful results in your life within the next seven days in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything will be so good for you that people will be saying to you, God has done great things for you. The Lord has done everything well in your life in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It might be you are going through challenges at work right now. Maybe work is not looking good. I pray for you that within the next seven days there will be a change. Your story will change. I pray that God flows into your life now a mindset that cultivates abundance in new preparation that as we step into 2024, things will be different for you. 
Praise God forevermore. So, before we go, I want to just remind you that tonight, from 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. UK time, 8 to 10, we are going to be running the crossover service. I'm going to be talking about experiencing the kingdom, what God has placed in my heart to talk about, about how next year we're going to be a year where we experience the kingdom. So, I'm going to be teaching from that topic uh, uh, t- uh, tonight. You know, at 8 o'clock UK time, please make sure you join us, right? I will do some prayers, we'll do play some worship song, and I will just get ready to experience a year uh, with no boundary. The Bible said the kingdom of God is within us. So kingdom of God is not up, it's not going to heaven. Kingdom of God is a realm that you enter into, the realm of the kingdom of all things are possible. Praise God forevermore. So um, I also want to say from the 2nd to the 5th of January, I would like to invite you to a prayer and fasting session it's going to start at six and ends at seven from the second to the fifth of january all right so we're going to be talking about how god is able to help us with experiencing the kingdom in this year i will take some of the principles some life principles in this text as well that we read today and interweave that and sorry and weave that into the kingdom message i use that to pray for ourselves and for the family and for the kingdom at large and for our different countries all over the world so please make it a, a, a time to join us I'll be doing is going to be prayers and fasting. If you cannot fast, it's okay. But if you can fast, it's also wonderful. We're just going to pray. You know, it's just just an hour. You know, share some scripture, make some declaration. You know, and and focus on that. Now, if this message has blessed you, I want you please to send it to somebody. God came through for this deaf and mute person. It was an intervention. He could not use the principle of faith. He could not speak it. He could not believe it. He could not hear it. But he believed in the master. When they brought him to the master, he believed in him. He believed and he followed him. Christ took him away. So you might be in a situation right now where you are incapable. You are incapable of believing what i mean you are because of this might be somebody who has no in in the mental state is not in a state where they can hear the word of god you can believe god still play this message for that person because the message will go into their heart into their spirit you know and god will begin to do a work for them and please if you have somebody who is going to different challenges and they surrounded themselves with people that are negative, please try and get them away from those negative people because those negative people will try, and, will try to sabotage the plan of God for their lives. So as we leave, I want to ask you that you stay focused as we get into this new year. It's going to be a great, great year for us. Join us later tonight as we pray through, you know, to begin to trust God for it. And the Lord will help as he has always helped us in the name of Jesus Christ. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your people. Thank you for this message that it will enter into our heart. We'll embrace it. We'll believe it. We'll understand it. And it will be a game changer for all of us. Father, we thank you for it. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. All right. Until next time, remember, you are blessed and highly favored. I speak to you soon. God bless you.